I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is the Front Row Network, the pop culture network for NPR Illinois. And we are actually all the hosts of Beyond the Mouse for the network. We're taking over this week's episode of Full Disclosure. And on this particular movie, Raya and the Last Dragon, I am Craig. I'm your host. I'm joined by my co-host, Miss Vanessa Ferguson. Hello. Mr. Brett Rutherford. Hello there. So... We are taking over this full disclosure. This will be a bonus episode on Beyond the Mouse. Um, But I think we should just tell everyone why Disney is the best studio. Maybe we should just start there Uh, because they bring out some stellar products and stellar films, right, Vanessa? For sure. It it is a, a happy place. And, um, you know, there's not too much drama or sadness. It's just, it's like, you know, if you're feeling down, have a little Disney in your life. And now it's not even that just a happy place. It's an epic place. For sure. Isn't that right, Brett? With this yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, you know, it's kind of like Disney owns everything. So resistance is futile. I know that's a Paramount network, but that'll be ours before long too. So anyway. <laughs> you're you're totally right you're totally right you know i think what we like to do in these full disclosures is talk a bit about non-spoiler things and kind of our opinions on things before we get into really the movie proper and we want to do that up front here i think the way that i want to gauge this conversation is we've had a lot of discussions amongst this group in previous discussions about premiere access and what that means for disney plus so i want to couch this all in a conversation saying would you, obviously we did, but would you feel that this is worth $29 or $30 on Premiere Access um, and maybe give us some of your non-spoiler first impressions when it comes to the film? And I'm going to go to Brett first. Well, I mean, going into this, I, you haven't, it is a little bit of a leap of faith, but it's, it's a Disney animated film. So I said yes, and it was very much worth it. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did. And we'll get into the other part very soon, won't we? But yeah, I I wish they'd do more. I'm like going, I'm ready for the next one, whenever that is. I think that it's good to, because that's the question that I got most often this weekend, right? Is it worth $30? And what I will say about this film is that it is, in my mind, and we can talk about animation, we will talk about animation, the production design and all of that, but this is such a beautiful film. This is an outrageously gorgeous film and and almost to the point where I, like there was moments in the very beginning, and again, this isn't spoiling anything because it's right at the beginning of the film, but it was almost like um, kind of verging on a line of photorealism that I wasn't expecting out of the film um, because their animation is getting so... Uh, incredible and so well rendered and then you have the beautiful colors and rich colors that this film brought to life in a way that I don't know that many of other animated films have achieved and I am one that would love to see another 2D animated film but it's very hard to argue with what they're doing on the 3D side as far as the story is concerned I loved the epic scale of this story. I loved the interactions amongst our characters. It has a really great moral core at the, at the center of it. Absolutely loved that part. So would I pay for the $30 on Premiere Access? Yes, 100%. And it was a bit of a leap of faith. Like you said, Brett, they've got us in the bag. They're gonna, we're going to buy this anyway. But for the people that are thinking out there, can I just wait until June when this drops on Disney Plus regularly? You absolutely can. But I would argue that it is good to check this film out now. It is well worth your money. And what I think is nice about Premiere Access, as opposed to some of the other ways that you can get movies at this time, is that you do get to watch that movie over and over and over again. So when you rent normally from a VOD platform, you get it for 48 hours. We did that with News of the World. Uh, Anna and I rented that and we watched it with Brandon. And you only get it for about 48 hours. You get to watch it once. It disappears. So does your $20. This, yes, you are paying $30, but I have access to Raya now. So I can watch it anytime I want. And I understand that everyone else that subscribes to Disney Plus will also have access in June. But to me, it's valuable to be able to go and revisit that, especially with a young child who would like to watch this movie over and over again. So Vanessa, your thoughts, non-spoiler thoughts up front here. I think that the value of that $30 is going to depend on the type of family and viewers you have. 
So if you are a family, a, a large family where you would be paying more to go to the theater, that's one value that you might consider is uh, $30 might be far cheaper than taking your whole family to the theater as in, in I'm going to say year past because we haven't really had that in the last 365 days. Or if you're a family that values seeing diversity, especially if you have any people of Southeast Asian descent or even Asian descent, and you want to see um, people who look like you in the film, then I definitely think it's worth $30. And Or you just want your kids to be exposed to diversity. I think that's a very good value. For me, as a single person, I don't know that it was worth the $30 because the, the story wasn't one that I, I liked the story, but it it's not a film that's going to have me um, running back to watch it over and over again. I thought it was a very, very well done film, very good, but it wasn't like a Frozen for me where I had to watch that one over and over again because I just thought it was so hilarious. I thought the story was so original. I could wait till June or I could go to the theater and pay half the price uh, for a single person if the theater was open. So that's kind of what I'm gauging that value as um just for me personally uh, of course though i'm a big disney fan so it's not like i'm gonna wait till june but if if you're similar to me or maybe not quite a disney fan i could see waiting till june but if you're a family it really is a good value yeah i i agree vanessa i'm like going, i'm a single person making the 30 dollar purchase as well and i'm like going it is kind of a gulp you know i'm like going oh is this you know so again it is a leap of faith but had it been another studio, um, I haven't rented really that many new films. I wait until they become, you know, I guess at their renting rate rather than their, you know, opening weekend rate. So I certainly get your point. And, you know, there is a little bit of a, I guess there's not really buyers. In this instance, there was no buyer's remorse. So I was happy about that, really. So, And I, I do have um, my niece and nephews, and I'm always trying to make sure they have access to the things I like on Disney Plus because I, I do share my account with them. So if I knew they were going to watch this right away, I probably would say, hey, I bought you something, like go watch it. But they're they're not as into uh, entertainment as I am. So they're more of a, we'll get to it. Like, I don't know if they ever even watched Mulan. I, I sent them several messages like, hey, I bought Premiere Access for Mulan. Did you guys watch it? And I don't know that they ever did. So, you know, I, and I, I think I bought them like a, a Toy Story toy, sent it to them. And then like six months later, they told me that they were finally getting around to watching Toy Story. I'm like, are you kidding me? They didn't even know what this toy was about for like six months. That, that's, I can certainly appreciate this film, but you know, unless your family's like gung-ho about watching it right away, I could see waiting. Clearly they need more Aunt Vanessa time because you need Clearly. to be much, much bigger influence on their Disney <laughs> life. Hello. <laughs> that we have I mean I'm already trying to push Disney on them every single time I see them on Skype I'm like tell your dad that you want to go to Disney World with Aunt Vanessa but um, I think they're getting a little uncomfortable with that so I'm trying to be a little more subtle that is so great and you know so I uh, any other thoughts on uh, non-spoilers before we get into spoilers I, Premier Access is really interesting we ha- started to have this conversation with all the other front row hosts last night because we're all wondering what Disney is going to ultimately do with Black Widow at the time of this recording that has not been announced, although I have my speculations, and maybe I'll put it on record here so I can say that I was right if I am right, and if I was wrong, I could just forget that I ever said this, but they did just bump Loki into June. It was supposed to air in May. Black Widow was also supposed to come out to theaters only in May, so I'm guessing that they just provided themselves a big hole to put Black Widow on Disney+. Plus. However, Mulan was the only other premier access movie. Uh, they gave us Soul. They just gave that to us. They had other films that are already pre- specifically designed and developed for Disney+. Plus. So it's just really interesting, their strategy. And I get that all studios have been struggling through this pandemic to figure out how they're going to drop things. Uh, but I do like the idea of Premiere Access that you do own that film after you're done with it so you can go back and revisit it, particularly if you do have kids that want to revisit all of the time, for sure. Any final thoughts, non-spoilers, before we go into more of a discussion of the movie as a whole? Uh, Vanessa? I'm just going to be comparing this film to, I cannot believe it was a year ago, Brett, that we saw Onward Together in a theater, but right before things shut down and they moved onward to Disney Plus. But 
throughout this discussion, I'm probably going to be comparing it to uh, the March slot and what was released this time last year, which was that wonderful Pixar film Onward. So I'm, and I know that's a different studio, but that's kind of what I keep comparing to even my family as we were watching it this weekend. We kept saying, well, well, you know, how does the story compare to Onward? How does the humor compare? Because um, it's, it's really that time slot of the year that I think you can make those comparisons. All right. What we're going to do now is go right into talking about the film proper. So if you have not seen the movie yet and you'd like to purchase it on Premiere Access, please do so right now. And then uh, you can always come back to this discussion. Or maybe you're listening to us in the future. Maybe this is June. Hello, June. How are you? Uh, and you can, you're seeing it for the first time because it's accessed on Disney Plus and you are able to watch it now without paying the $30 extra. But we are going to go ahead and get into spoilers and talk more about the film now we do like to start with first impressions and now these are more you in this sense you're allowed to now talk more about the film uh, in general brett you didn't give us really too much in the non-spoiler section of your thoughts of the film um so go ahead and start us off here well i i didn't know what to expect and i was very pleasantly surprised and you mentioned how beautiful it is it is and i can't wait to watch it yet again to to you know, to check that out. But what I found was interesting. It was an action adventure animated film. I mean, that's been a while since we've had that. I mean, you know, clearly Aladdin was an action adventure animated film, but it's been a while. So that was interesting. And so it was pretty awesome. You know, I kept thinking about it and you said onward, Vanessa, I actually kept thinking about uh, Big Hero 6 and kind of the, mm. um, comic book occasion of the Disney company, whether that be whatever property it is, if that's Marvel, if that's uh, Disney, if that's Pixar uh, and Star Wars, it, it does seem like they are starting to borrow from each other, maybe more than they had prior to the acquisitions in terms of story beats and how they develop their characters. And I think that's a good thing. I love the Marvel films, but this to me almost played out kind of like a Marvel movie uh, in my mind yeah. as I was watching it along, especially the the way that they brought the epic scale into kind of a personal hero's journey. Uh, I thought it was reminiscent of that for sure. Vanessa, what are your first thoughts on the film? Ooh, so when you put it like that, I think that is a good comparison. My first thoughts on the film were, like what everyone said, is, is, is a very beautiful film. It actually reminded me of Coco a lot mm -hmm. because the, the intro of Coco is very colorful and that is even before they get into the uh, city that is like the afterlife <laughs> I don't know exactly what they call it but even before that in the very intro of Coco it's very bright it's very beautiful very colorful and that's how this film opens up too it's it's just lovely uh, and, and the graphics are done really well too there's specifically one scene where you, you get a close-up of the dragon's fur and I was just like, whoa, like this is, this looks really good. And, and someone watching with me um, remarked on the animation of the, the human characters and how so developed that is from, I guess, when this person last <laughs> watched a, a Disney film. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they'd watch uh, Pixar's Toy Story. Because if you go back and look at that, ooh, that is uh, dated now. <laughs> but I thought it was beautiful. I thought the representation was really well done. What... What could have been a little bit better for me was the storyline. It seemed a bit predictable. And the trailers, I actually went into it with kind of lower expectations because the trailers didn't, I don't feel like they really built up the movie. And maybe that was intentional because you really need to take the movie as a whole. There's, I can't really think of any specific scenes that make me go, oh, wow, I would put this in a trailer. It's really like the whole thing is its own product for me but it was good it was a good film it was you know we, I am so starved for entertainment that I was looking forward to watching this all week so <laughs> going to the movie theater or watching it in my living room I was ready for it I was so excited and I and maybe I'm even uh just makes it even because like I don't know why but I I was so pumped for Mulan and had really high expectations and I liked Mulan but it didn't quite 
reach my expectations. This I came in, went in with low expectations and overall had a great time watching it and just felt so relieved to have some kind of new Disney entertainment. <laughs> so I think that's, that's my major takeaway, although that wasn't totally cohesive. No, I totally get that. Like, you know, uh, I was looking forward to this film. I was looking forward to WandaVision. I was having a conversation with Brandon um, and we were both like, why did Disney do this to themselves? Because they have next week, this this week that we're recording in, there is no Marvel property dropping on Friday. So you would have thought like they could have done WandaVision, Raya, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, but they decided to drop it the same day as WandaVision's finale. And so it kind of allowed for us to have a, a, a larger, a longer viewing experience. Of course, yeah. I, watched, I watched Wanda first, but um, then was able to get into this. And it was uh, really, really cool. Now, this was one of the first films that they've opened back up into the theaters. It, it did, you know, as one would expect during a pandemic, it brought in about $8.6 million. So a lot less than they would be used to. But it'll be interesting to see what the premier access numbers are and if they share any of those. They never officially shared Mulan, but people have kind of put together bits and pieces of information that they're able to get from app downloads and things like that to suggest uh, what the Premier Access did for Mulan. And it'll just be interesting to see where it's at. You mentioned something about the marketing of this film. And this was one of those films that was at D23 last uh, go around. And what was that 2019, Brett? Yes. And it was one of the, it was like the film where they were just like, Aquafina is going to be in this. It's called Right on the Last Dragon. That's all we got. Honestly, yeah. beyond that announcement at D23, I have not seen much marketing for this film. I had not Same. seen, uh, I had not really followed the trailers. I saw the big game spot um, because we were right. watching all of those and just seeing what was going on. That was kind of a, it was a 30 second trailer for that during the Super Bowl, uh, if I'm allowed big to say game. that. And big then game, you mean? The big, the big game. The bowl that um, is super? That's right. Uh, it was a 30 second spot. And then I went back and I actually was like, oh, they released the full trailer two weeks ago. And I just didn't even notice it. But I, they had me in the bag. I knew we were going to cover this and I knew I was going to get it. So what I was, I love that I had very little expectations coming into this film and not really knowing anything about it. I do agree it's somewhat predictable, but I mean, we're talking about a hero's journey here. This is like every uh, movie goes back to Wizard of Oz, right? We, we know the outcome of what this film is going to give us. But at the same time, I enjoy the characters that were given to us. I really liked Aquafina's uh, dragon character in this. I think that she was such a cool way to introduce so many different elements of morality and to teach kids so many awesome lessons about including others and sometimes to a fault because uh, you can see the good in people too much sometimes and that can hurt you, but that's okay. Like, it, like so many different uh, things going into the writing of that particular character that I absolutely loved. And I wasn't really expecting. I didn't know that she took a human form because I hadn't yeah, been really paying neither. attention. I assumed she was going to be a dragon the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that had been in the trailers or not, but that's where I was at with it. Yeah. Same. No yeah. Problem. Same. Like, <laughs> well, let's go well, ahead. You know, yeah. Yeah. Same. Okay. Yeah. Same. Same. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about some of the uh, voice acting that goes into this. And then we can talk more about the production design and the story and our favorite scenes and all that. But this does bring our lead is uh, Kelly Marie Tran, who we were discussing before the beginning of this podcast, of course, appeared in The Last Jedi uh, prior to this and also was in Rise of Skywalker. Some would argue not as much as she should have been in Rise of Skywalker, but she is Raya in this. And I think she does a fantastic job. I think she's pitch perfect for this character, really uh, carries herself through that voice acting and gives us those emotional beats that are somewhat difficult to do when you're doing sort of that voiceover work, especially I want all of us to kind of remember. And there was a, actually at the very end of the credits, there was something that said this movie came together with 400 people working during a pandemic from their homes. And that is something that has never happened before. Now we, we know from like behind the scenes and things like that, when people are doing their voice acting, oftentimes they're scheduled individually. They just give a lot of takes and things like that, but they're still in the studio with someone. She and all of these voice actors for the most part 
are given these lines and probably doing them over Zoom, but also recording them on their own tracks, um, you know, it's just not the same. You're not going into a recording booth studio necessarily, unless Disney had them built uh, recording booth studios in their houses, which they might have. Um, but still, it, it's just incredible when you think about that element too, that this, this movie, more than anything that Disney's released to this point, was truly done during the pandemic as well. Brett, your thoughts on Kelly Marie Tran? Well, it's interesting that she was, that her part was recast. So, you know, so she was the one who got eventually got the part. So, and she did an amazing job. And I guess that, you know, because you do read a little bit when you're doing these podcasts, you do a little bit of behind the scenes research and you don't get all of the scoop or dish or all of that. But, but you did, it did seem as though her story changed that her involvement and kind of her characterization changed and Kelly Marie Tran's talents were more what uh, the directors were looking for so she got it and she did a great job so yep absolutely Vanessa your thoughts on her I thought she did a great job I was as I was watching the film I was thinking this is going to be cool when this character comes to theme parks this is going to be a really relatable character, someone who can talk normal to, you know, talk on the same level or talk to kids and, and, and have it be somewhat normal. You know, uh, Snow White may not be the most relatable voice <laughs> to, you know, when kids meet her, still very cool. But I thought this is going to be a, a character that kids can really relate to. And I think Kelly Marie Tram has a lot to do with that. So I'm, I thought she did great. I don't know that I would have cast it any other way. Yeah, you know, it's, it is interesting. You mentioned that, Brad, that this was uh, Kelly Marie Tran was the second person to take on this role. Cassie Steele was the original Raya. Um, but then after some changes to the character, they went a different direction and, and got Kelly Marie Tran. And we don't know what Cassie Steele's uh, Raya looks like, but we do know Kelly Marie Tran did a really great job. She did a wonderful job. And and she will, like you said, have a great element uh of that character that comes into the parks at some point that's exciting for us as Disney fans. I know that some of the people listening on the front row feed don't go to Disney maybe as often as we do, but you should uh, because this is the kind of thing that you can geek out on if you do go into the parks is the character conversations and things like that that you'll be able to have with these characters moving forward. Their big name, uh, now Kelly Mertrand, still very well-known name, has some certainly some social media headlines behind her, things like that. However, their big name for this was Aquafina, right? That is someone that they really wanted to get into the Disney umbrella, and they did here as the last dragon, Sisu. And um, I want to talk to you about what you thought of her performance. And I'll start with Vanessa on this one. So can I just say first that I am a fan of Aquafina. I loved her in Crazy Rich Asians, and a friend to the podcast, Erica, and I we're dying laughing on the plane back from Disneyland, actually watching Aquafina and just thinking she was so hysterical. My take on this might be a little different in that I, I watched Aquafina um, in an interview on GMA and they were comparing her to Robin Williams and his portrayal of the genie. And while I think Aquafina does a great job, Robin Williams is so iconic in the voices he did and and the jokes he was making and I just wonder had Aquafina had the chance to be in a studio with people who could give her feedback that she could play off their laughter I mean for me you know I'm a joke person and uh when when I feel the best about my jokes is when people are totally enabling me and laughing and when they don't I usually I, you guys don't always and I yell at you and I'm like you didn't laugh so, you know, so, um, I just but there's an energy there that once someone starts laughing at your jokes and then your brain starts going and you're feeding off of that energy and you can give even more jokes at even like at a rapid pace. And I wish she could have had that experience. I, I'm guessing she didn't. I don't know for sure, but I, I wanted to hear more jokes from Aquafina because she's truly awesomely funny. And I do like that she brings a very relatable stuttering style uh, in her dialogue delivery. And we've actually seen that. We've seen that in Frozen. And we've seen that in uh, probably, I think Moana had that. So while that's great, and it, it, it's funny and relatable. I don't think we want to just use that as a crutch and say, oh, that's so funny. She's stuttering. 
Well, now we're getting to the point where all the princesses are starting to stutter. And and that's fine because I'm a stutterer too. But um, I think more humor and more jokes could have been uh, put into the film. There are jokes there, but I wanted even more and just for her to have the opportunity to do that. And I'm just guessing that she probably didn't because she is truly very, very funny. You know, and I wonder how much of that, like you said, was going back to the recording and the way that that was done. And maybe the, the ad libs weren't as uh, readily available, those production meetings that had to happen. Maybe those weren't, if you're not in the room with people, it sometimes can take part some of that creativity. However, I will say what I also think that is different from her uh, based on the genie, the genie does have a bit of a character arc to him and that he's trying to win this freedom, but kind of the uh, you know, lack of a better, not meaning a pun here. He's a two-dimensional character. With her, you do get a lot more of that that story behind her. You get uh, not only about her, but also the fact that she was really, like she is put on this pedestal as the last dragon, the dragon that saved everyone. But truly she was the one that was saying, well, my brothers and sisters were so much better than me. And like that stuff like really hit hard. And uh, you can still do great things. You can take some of the best qualities that you learn from your family, right? She's, as they're collecting the gem pieces and the shards, she's gathering these new abilities from her brothers and sisters to move her forward in this journey. Like there's just like little, I don't know why I was so philosophically deep during this movie, but her character to me was really, really well-developed. And that's taking nothing away from Robin Williams is a genius and mm-hmm. one of my favorite actors of all times. Um, but I'm just saying from a character to character perspective, I don't know if I would quite uh, put them on the same level just because it's kind of like comparing apples and oranges at this sure. point, I would say. Yeah. Um, but, but Brett, what are your thoughts on Aquafina? Well, I'll just say one bit about you know, the conversation of Robin Williams and the genie and Aquafina. It's, it's a compliment to be considered, you know, it kind of in the same company. So I'm sure it was meant as a compliment and, you know, but again, as you said, apples and oranges and let her be her own person because in my notes for Aquafina is exclamation point, And there would be 27 exclamation points following that had I, you know, put that, but I knew what I wanted to say. I mean, she's just amazing. I do love her and everything. And I think, you know, if you go back to princesses and, and dragons, and everyone, you know, with their kind of their dialogue now that they're just more relatable and real. They sound like us, which it's the way film has gone. And at least that's the way animated film has gone is more relatable. And it's, it isn't really talking down to the audience, but it is making it the characters more relatable. It's not an elevated speech. That's not the intention of this film. This film is to learn to learn lessons, to entertain, you know, and that sort of thing. But Aquafina, exclamation point. What is her next film? Let me go to IMDB right now. I'll wait. I'll wait. Go ahead. (laughs) The only other person I want to bring up, and then we can, of course, open it up because, you know, if you want to gush about Benedict Wong, because uh, we love him from Doctor Strange as well, I'm totally fine with that. But I want to talk about Namari. I want to talk about the uh, antagonist of this film and uh, Jimmy Chan, who played... Uh, Namari, because that to me was the only character that I maybe felt was slightly more copy and paste from our other tales. And I, I want to see if maybe that was too harsh of a criticism and, or if you two tend to agree with me. And let me, let me give you my case here is that, of course, we see her as a child, you know, stab our hero in the back. We have to have that. We have to have some kind of element of uh, deciding that this is going to be our antagonist moving forward in the film. But I I just feel like her character was written to be strong-willed, but they still wanted her to be good at heart. And it wasn't played or wasn't given the opportunity to develop enough for me where I could see the switch. So instead of seeing her as a strong character, I saw her just beholden to her mother. And I didn't see her as like making the decisions like I have to protect Fang. And so I'm going to be this bad person quote unquote, what we envision as bad person, or, well, maybe we could all come together. Like I didn't see her making those decisions. I saw her mother making those decisions. And I don't know that that was the intention of the writers. Uh, Am I being too harsh here, Vanessa? Well, it's funny because I, I had a little issue with 
her character as well. And I think it has more to do with me as a person than it does have to do with the writing. Because um, obviously we love Brenda Chapman. We love the movie Brave. But I still get angry that the moral of the story was, well, we were both wrong. When clearly it was the mother who didn't like her hair and how she was acting. Again, just I think this is from my personal trauma of being a curly haired kid. <laughs> but I kind of felt this way in this film too. When, when here's the big spoiler, Namari kills the dragon. And then Namari says, well, you're just as much to blame as I am. And I'm like, uh, hold up, Namari. Who actually pulled the trigger here, girl? Uh, it was you. It was not our girl, Rhea. She was trying to stop you because your finger was twitching. So yeah, I, I had a little trouble with at the ending of, oh, let's just, I guess we'll just include Namari now. Uh, even though she wasn't like, hey, I want to help. She just kind of was stuck there and the gem power was running out. But, but that I think has a lot to do with me. I don't think, uh, <laughs> and me like having a hard time letting things go uh, and needing revenge. So I think probably they are on point with maybe they all were a little bit to blame, or there was just a miscommunication. I just think that? Raya was Raya was so well developed, and she ends up she ends up whole, you know carrying uh, our moral compass for us. And I just wish I would have saw a little bit more development in Namari and in the um, growth of her character so that we could get more of that tension and it feel more real than it did to me. We do see her appreciation of the dragon. We'll get to you, Brett. Hold on. Brett's freaking out with his visuals over here. But we do see Namari with the going through what looked like a dragon cemetery that she's obviously moved by this. And she truly is what they call a dragon nerd. So you know, we do see moments, but I agree with you, Craig. I think it could have been fleshed out just a bit. I will say one more thing about Namari before Brett needs to jump in with his thoughts, but the way she is animated was so cool. She's got like muscular arms. I love her outfit. I love her asymmetrical bob and her earring. I'm like, please bring this woman to the parks because I want to meet her. I think she's the coolest looking uh, lady out there. And I'm like, I want to look like that. I want those muscular ripped arms. I've, I've never seen a princess and been like, oh, I could look like that. They always have unattainable hair, except for maybe the brave character that maybe I could do. But this one, I was like, man, if I could just worked out a little bit more, I could get some Namari arms. You know what I mean? You All right, so thinking, now I have to say something so that way I can, I, I need to say something so I can take more time before we go to Brett so he can start freaking out again. No, I'm just kidding, Brett. Tell us why we're wrong. <laughs> oh, well, okay. I have uh, uh, point A. No, I have 27 <laughs> points here that I have, and I, and I have the entirety of the rest of the program to talk to you about it. No, I'm just taking my fair share. Just time. Actually, I'll make it quick. I liked that... And I think this is what my takeaway was, certainly, that Sisu slash Aquafina knew all along that Namari was going to make a big decision and we were going to learn a wonderful life lesson. And, you know, and Raya was going to learn something too, to trust because that was, you know, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I messaged you all as, as I was watching this. I'm like going, I will never trust anyone again. I will never trust anyone again. And that was the lesson. That was the big, my big takeaway. It's probably a big takeaway for everyone. But our dragon here, the last dragon, got it all along. And there were those very long gazes into another because I see what's going on. I see what's going on. So that's where I think you might have missed out just a little bit. Both of you. I think you're right, Brett. (laughs) Sorry. This is showing me the internal work I need to do as a. a (laughs) Well, and you know, back to and back to the look of Namari. I'm like going Princess Undercut. I'm like going. I died when she said that. I'm just like going. I died. I died. I continue to die when I hear that Princess (laughs) Undercut. Well, don't die. We have we have more episodes to do. Uh, Don't do that. I don't mean literally, I mean figuratively. It makes me laugh. <laughs> we're, we're keeping up with the Gen Z crowd here, Craig. You gotta okay. keep up with the, the expressions. So we were dead when we watched it. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a boomer at heart. So 
All right. So let's talk about then uh, the production design and the story, unless you wanted to mention any of our other characters. Oh my oh, gosh, Brett there's wonderful names. Oh my gosh. Daniel Day Kim. Uh-huh. Yes, you said Benedict Juan, Sandra O. Oh, is in it. Oh, and who are we kidding? Alan Tudyk is in it again. I'm and kind I'm of like going, surprised how you can didn't he... bring that up, Craig, because you're a huge I'm like going, fan. Yes, I know. How, can we, how can he come up with all of those voices and sounds i will only say it's that I, what, all i will say is having not seen the marketing materials imdb for the longest time actually put tuck tuck and alan tudyk in the lead uh spot on there so i was like oh my god we're gonna get we're gonna get some really good alan tudyk action in this film and really it was just like chipmunk noises so i mean <laughs> wonderful oh, work not diminish oh do not do not, do not diminish his work tudyk, no no but, no 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 this was the i mean the depth was even more than hey hey honestly i'm like going i mean the layers and layers Layers, so many layers. But, and Brett, you just listed off some amazing people that are in this film. Did you specifically want to talk about them or did you just want to mention how cool this cast is? It's so cool to see that cast and so many others that I probably have a very hard time pronouncing. Sorry, but I love you all. And I think that, you know, you brought it up earlier, Vanessa, but truly Crazy Rich Asians was so groundbreaking in that it had so many Asian actors in it and involved in it. And it almost like it has started to have ripple effects where a lot of these uh, other productions now are going in and having such uh, rich Asian involvement. Uh, and, and I don't mean rich like money. I mean rich like you you have the production design team, you have uh, your writers, you have your actors. And it's really cool because so I still go back to a lot of the interviews that uh, many of the cast members did during Crazy Rich Asians. And they talk about the idea of kind of being that tokenism and token role in a, in a show. And they didn't have to answer questions during that press junket of like, what's it like being the Asian actor on set or whatever. Um, so it's still really cool that that is going in that direction and that we get that representation. And it's really neat that uh, Disney has done that as well with Raya and this amazing cast, because it is truly a, a very amazing ensemble. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's about casting and it's about what you were saying, that it's not just, it isn't diversity, it's representation. And that is what's so wonderful with this film. So kudos to Disney, kudos to the directors, the creative team and Disney. Yeah, yeah. I especially love that in the, in the film, each piece of the dragon is really based on a Southeastern Asian country. And that making that choice, because this is definitely a fantasy and mythical place, but they're drawing on Vietnam and all those Southeastern Asian countries that you really don't typically see. I mean, we, we do see China. Um, we sometimes we see Japan, but there isn't always a look into the different cultures of the Southeastern Asian countries. So I just thought that was really neat that they tied that into the story as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, maybe um, I, I just think that, that that idea of representation is is so important. And perhaps uh, three white uh, podcasters talking about this uh, might go with a grain of salt. But I, I think it's cool. We, we talked recently, uh, Vanessa and I got to do an interview for the network with Tamsin Merchant. And she talked about how when she put in her books, Uh, She tried to not put any physical descriptions into her books. And then that way people, when they read her stories, they could see themselves in those characters. And I think when you talk about a property like Disney and you talk about uh, going to the Disney theme parks as a child and the impact that that makes, when you can see someone that does represent you better than other princesses or other characters in the park, I think that that matters. And as a white guy who's seen myself represented in characters for my entire life you know i i think it's important that others get that opportunity as well so um and my last point on the actors vanessa this is just a kind of a tangent but i think this show this movie may be better than most of the 
the shows that have come out recently and uh, films that have come out recently from Disney and Pixar lends itself to some kind of stage production like Festival of the Lion King or something like that um, in the parks. And I'm not saying just an Animal Kingdom or anything like that, but just, you know, like I could see this in a theater developed for Raya and it could be a really, yes. really, really cool show. You could replace Indiana did. Jones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, could, oh, this would be perfect. I could, <laughs> I could see it in that big stage. I could see amazing dragons. I, you know, just all of this because it is such an epic, um, epic film as well. But you could do it in a way that'd be really cool within the park. So that is my imagineering idea for the day. So let's go ahead and move into, we talk about how beautiful this film is. But let's talk more about the production design and in, in the music and any of our favorite scenes that we really enjoy, whatever direction you want to take this. And I'm going to go to Brett first because I've been going to Vanessa first a lot and Brett gets lonely <laughs> in his Zoom box. <laughs> well, I, we, let's, you know, we can't forget the music. And I think, you know, we often, I don't know, not really overlook it, but I think we kind of do. And James Newton Howard, wonderful. And he's the, and he is also the composer for the upcoming Jungle Cruise, which Vanessa and I, well, we all are really looking forward to. But, but he's not new to Disney animated films. He did Treasure Planet and Atlantis, The Lost Empire, and also Dinosaur. Not that we want to remember that, but anyway, um, I'm, the music was good. So, but yeah, we always forget about that. And and I think that's one of the things we, I guess, you know, kind of when you're watching a film, you're if you pay attention to the music, it's not doing its job, but it certainly did. And my gosh, he has such a wonderful career. So it was great to, to hear his music in this film. It was such a, it was such a, a great score to go along with this just really epic tone of the film. It, it really increased your involvement in the the scenes and in the emotions of the film in a way that scores absolutely should. And I mean, it was a great, great music throughout. Vanessa, uh, what direction do you want to take us in here? Well, I just loved the the way that the, the different areas of, uh, so when I say dragon, I mean the river that is shaped like a dragon on the map that we see over and over again. Uh, with tail, talon, uh, heart, uh, fang, and I'm missing one, I'm pretty sure. But, you know, it, it's it's really interesting because they start off with just this beautiful opening sequence of this very vibrant. And then we kind of, after about 20 minutes or so, everything goes wrong and we're flipped into what looks like Mad Max, you know, and, and <laughs> in the desert. And uh, I just really thought it was very cool how they they took us through each land making it different in its own way and i'm i'm with you brett on the music the one scene that i just really fell in love with was the scene where sisu has gotten some magic uh i believe it's her brother's rain magic where she can climb into the sky and there's this moment where she's she's in the air the music's swelling and the shot is on her face and she closes her eyes and just kind of falls backwards. I think you can feel that. I know it's animated, but you, everyone knows that sensation, whether it's on the swings or like crag on a Everest ride where you're going backwards, it's <laughs> free fall, whoosh. It's the whoosh factor. It's my whoosh. Yes. There we about. go. <laughs> um, yeah. So I just thought that was just a beautiful scene. And I really enjoyed it. And really, I enjoyed each of the kind of pivoting as we pivoted the scenery each time. There's not really one scenery that you get to stick with throughout the film. It changes as the story is progressing. So, um, And then, of course, the ending with all the dragons coming out and everything's lush and beautiful again. That was, that was a really nice way to tie it all up in the ending. I really enjoyed the ending of the film, too. You stole my word lush. I'm like going the lush. It was lush, 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 lush. It's my <laughs> word now. You can't have it. <laughs> so yeah, that's what was so great about this film. It was, you know, the colors and the production values are just, you know, wonderful. I mean, like going, let's get this interview over with so I can go watch it again. Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I do want to watch it again, but you well, know. I, I will say, Vanessa, you did a, an excellent job of taking Brett's role of talking about 16 different scenes um that were your favorites so well done there i will say it's a very gestalt moment so to our to our listeners in spine 
Uh, Vanessa is very sorry, sorry that she forgot about so you. Uh, she did sorry. not mean to do that. You are the backbone of this movie uh, for sure. So definitely thank you to all the people of Spine. But no, I, I, you know, I agree with you. It, it's, it's hard to like put into words um, the initial reactions to seeing this animation. I think what is captivating for me is kind of that prologue scene um, before we get the six-year time jump because I was just blown away by the animation and I think it was the you know they say at least Pixar how Pixar used to do things and I think Pixar and Walt Disney animation have basically blended all the way together now but how Pixar used to do things is that they would focus on one area and really want to nail that whether that was they really wanted to get the water right in Nemo or they really wanted to focus on lighting in Coco. And that's why we, we think it's so beautiful. I feel like in this film, they really wanted to nail human faces in a way that they hadn't done so before. Because when they did that first shot of Raya's father taking off his uh, mask and he's just standing there, first of all, super attractive dude second of all he just looks awesome like that like image i was just like oh my gosh how far has animation progressed you know we're we'll have a lot more uh animated movies between now and 2039 when we get the the 100 year anniversary or 2037 when we get the 100 year anniversary of snow white but it's just like, how far have we come in that medium? And how cool is it? Like that, it was a moment, and this is going to be really cheesy. And I'm sorry, if you're listening to this and you don't know that we, the three of us are absolutely in love with Disney, then I'm sorry for this next comment. But it was one of those, I was like, I wish Walt could see this scene because mm, it yeah. just was stunning to me, like what they were able to do and to, to really take it up that next level. So any other thoughts or any particular scenes you wanted to call out, Brett, or, or and things like that? Well, it was it was you know the opening scene. It was it was Raya's Indiana Adventure moment. You know, oh no no, it wasn't the opening. It wasn't the opening. It was with Sisu, and it was her Indiana Jones moment when she's you know trying to uh, engineer the equivalent of the um, taking some of the sand out of the bag in order to get the idol. You know. I'm kind of mixing films and sort of um, uh, mixing intellectual properties, but we will own Paramount before long. So it's okay. So So um, did you watch the interview with the director, Don Hall and uh, Carlos Lopez Estrada was there, but also the writer, Quee Wynn. They were saying that Don Hall, he like every day on production would mention Raiders of the Lost Ark. And that if he oh, didn't mention it, that Quee was like, you, f- you feeling okay, Don? <laughs> joke with him because he's so in love with that movie and he wanted it to influence this film. So I think it's so funny that you keep mentioning Indiana Jones because- Well, I guess are we, well, it's, is Indiana, oh, no, originally it was at Paramount, but now, but it was, a Luke, is it a Lucasfilm? Yeah, so it Lucas is ours. We own it. So it is ours. Ha ha. There. Okay. Everything oh, becomes Disney eventually. Thank you. Ha ha. Ha ha. We will be owned by Disney. <laughs> I love every moment of it's it. It's inevitable. So. Make those offers. Uh, to send them time. our way, Disney. Yeah. We're, we're, we're an easy buyout. Yeah. <laughs> Front row what? No, no. Oh. I don't know who they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but let's yep. let's talk maybe about some things uh in the film that maybe didn't work for us as well and i uh i have it's so funny because i try to come up with things uh and sometimes they're legitimate and sometimes they're not at all legitimate this is a non-legitimate what didn't work for me but i have a hard time finding that in this film other than the comments i made about namari's character blah 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 if i want to be a serious film person then i would say that that would be what i uh didn't quite work for me but what didn't work for me and what hasn't been working for me recently with disney is how ridiculously long these credits are holy moly i looked and i was like the runtime of this movie is an hour and 53 minutes my goodness, that's kind of a long animated film. Do you know the film is over in an hour and a half and there are 23 minutes of credits in this film? And I get it. A lot of people worked on this film and a lot of people deserve credit for working on this film. But 23 minutes? This is coming on the tails of everyone and their mother complaining about the seven minutes of credits that WandaVision gets every single week. Uh, so it just, it, it popped in my head as like, 
goodness gracious, this is, this is, this is a long time uh, for credits, but that is my kind of half-hearted joking what didn't work for me because I know, of course, all those people deserve the credit for this beautiful movie. And um, so don't come at me with that. I'm just saying that uh, it does seem like maybe a fifth of the runtime being credits. Um, somehow you could maybe speed that up in a way. Brett, on, is beha- there on behalf of all, like to on behalf of all creatives everywhere, we deserve twenty-three minutes, or they <laughs> deserve twenty-three minutes. It all well, it all worked for me, but um, but some critics have noted the heteronormative storyline being present rather than exploring more inclusive identity themes, and some some were noting the tension or chemistry between Raya and Namari characters, you know, have or they show. But I'm thinking that Disney and Pixar will have sexual identity inclusiveness eventually, but it'll be at their own time and not when they feel pressure by outsiders constantly asking, are they? But, you know, like with Elsa and now Raya and Namari, I believe it will happen and probably sooner more than later. So that was a criticism that I am trying to deflect there. (laughs) It's it's just a really, it's an interesting topic that I don't think the three of us have really taken on before. Um, We are obviously... uh, I think I can speak for both of you when I say that we're extremely inclusive individuals and strive for more inclusivity. Um, but this is something that is brought up all of the time with new Disney uh, or Pixar properties and features. And uh, we did, of course, have uh, LeFou had a moment of uh, dancing with a man in Beauty and the Beast. Um, and so that was kind of spotlighted in the press as one of the first gay moments in film uh, for Disney. Um, and, you know, we then had in Onward, um, there was also a lesbian character in that or, or what is the production has come out and said that she was a lesbian character. But like, I, it will be clear when Disney decides that they have that they have an inclusive sexuality in, in one of their characters. They're not going to backtrack or they're not going to tiptoe around it. They are going to be inclusive because that's the way the company is. So trying to look into it and go, are they, are they? Well, I can understand, you know, as people are waiting for that, but I'm like going, it'll happen and just let it happen. So I know this gets my into, th- this is just me spitballing. And, and again, I, I don't mean to like, get us into a tangent and I don't mean to um, put my thoughts out there and then ultimately um, retract them or like that. I, but my thought is when I think of Disney introducing gay characters or LBGTQ uh, type storylines, I almost feel like first it might be even more important to show that in the parents of one of our characters. And I say that because like, as a child coming back to that whole idea of seeing yourself like there are so many especially since uh marriage equality and things like that and and, uh, of course adoption laws being changed there are so many people growing up in a in a family that had doesn't have a mother and a father they may have two fathers or two mothers or someone that doesn't identify uh, as a particular gender And, and like so those are the types of things that i wonder if maybe um you get at it first from that angle before completely introducing a character uh, because to me, sexual identity in Disney films isn't as important part of the piece of the storyline. At least it hasn't been recently. Sure. Certainly, you know, Snow White White needed a a kiss, Cinderella needed a kiss, all that. But still, I, I don't know. Save me here, Vanessa, before I just keep like pontificating. It's interesting because you and I talked about this um, because there is, uh, if you haven't read Tams and Merchant's Hatmaker's book, there are two boys that kiss in the story. No, we don't know if this is anything sexual as much as it would just uh, was a action that happened in the story but we when we were reading it we we thought do we bring this up or do we not bring this up because we want to live in a world where these things are normal 
Right. And right. it's not it's not yeah. worth bringing up because it's so normal to us. It's like, uh, and that's when the, yeah, that's what you know, that's what yeah. we want is we want to say like, oh, Raya, did you see that she was had weapons and she was fighting? You know, fifty years ago, that would have been a huge thing. Now it's very normal to see uh, a female character being like a warrior type, which is great. We don't even have to really acknowledge it, and that's I think mm-hmm. is the hope. And you know, we're always learning. Even though we are supportive of the community, we're always learning. And I think at the very least, if whether Disney says these characters are gay or not, I hope that young women who are gay can look at that and say, you know, I do see myself whether or not they they say it out, outwardly or not. And I think that's a cool thing because they probably wouldn't say that looking at Snow White getting kissed by a prince, you know? Mm. So I think that there's momentum here. And it's only going to grow. And I look forward to seeing how it unfolds over the next 50 years. And it's, and it's just, as you said, just normal. It's, you, it's not even a thing. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. It's just normal. It's and just it'll regular. Come, yeah, it'll come. Uh, it'll it'll come happen. Time, like you said, Brett. So anyway. If I may, us, though. Uh, getting us to. Yes, Vanessa. go ahead. You were May. Yes, I, Vanessa. I do want to point out that I was a little surprised that Brett was so happy with the moral of the story here because i felt that like perhaps a zootopia it was a little on the nose we all need to start working together these grievances that these different groups have we need to come together and trust each other and not assume the worst in each other and we really need to work together to see peace across the land hmm Sounds like perhaps another place I know. United States, possibly. I don't know. There's a <laughs> the world is well, the world, yes, <laughs> yeah. I'm like going, there's always, yeah, you know, you always, we always find sort of undertones of, uh, of cultural relevancies or not, I don't know. Yeah. It's just kind of, yeah. you know, things that are messages that we are told at the time that we kind of go, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I get that. By so the I way, thought you I were going to make. I have no problem with this. I just think it's surprising that you didn't point out that it was on the nose but that's okay I didn't have a but I didn't have a problem that you were saying things were so obvious I'm like going I was you know I'm like going I had my trust issues I mean I didn't see things that were coming this way I'm like going how is this going to end how are we going to have a happy ending you know I'm like going I had trust issues and then I'm like going follow the dragon follow the dragon so you know I was fine with all of that. And it didn't hit me on the head. I have a problem when it hits me on the head, Zootopia. Well, I, I thought like, this would hit you on the head, though. No, that's, no. That's I do feel like Raya, no. Raya was carrying a mallet at times. Uh, well, certainly her father was <laughs> for the moments he was in the movie. He yeah, was very yeah. much like, this is I didn't the message feel... of the movie. Yeah, don't give up on them. And I'm like, oh, bah. Bye. No, no, that was the, <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't have, well, it didn't affect me that way. So okay. I was fine with it. So yeah. do not yeah. use that Z word in my presence again. I'm so sorry. I oh. would, if I could just throw out one thing that, that I don't know that this didn't work for me, but maybe lessened the experience just a tad for me was that as the story started to progress and you saw the patterns of what was going to happen, it did become a bit predictable. When we got Khan baby, I'm like, okay, so she's gathering a person from each segment and they're going to have to come together with their pieces. And then, you know, when the Sisu shows her the the dragons and explains what happened, I'm like, okay, so it's really going to be them that saves the day. It's not going to be Sisu. And, you know, so I wasn't um, so terrified when Sisu is is killed, although she comes back because I'm like, oh, that was Raya's fault. I really thought that was Raya's fault. Really? Yeah. It was kind of like, look what I did. And, and by the way, I think, uh, I hope this movie has a much better effect on kids. But this movie, like you said, Brett, it didn't make me want to trust anybody. It made me more (laughs) fearful. I think it's because I'm too old. And I, no, and I no, can't just, see past my old ways. No, I, I, you know, I, and that's why that was, you know, my problem was, you know, I can't trust anyone. I'm cause I'm a trusting, loving, forgiving person. And, you know, some, sometimes to a fault, but you know, Hey, I learned things cause I'm really a dragon anyway. Um, you say forgiving. I, would, just, would just I? let it go, Craig. Just let him. Yes. Would, would let we, him. would we attribute <laughs> that to Brett? Maybe a little long memory. Oh my gosh. You know, <laughs> movie critiques is therapy enough you know we've already right. we've already gone that way 
but I do have, okay, I do have something. It's not that it's just a trend I'm seeing. May I say that? Sure. Um, because now that we have a compelling and sympathetic Disney princess, again, another Disney princess with a full inner life in Raya, when are we going to get the same for a new male Disney character? Okay, I guess Miguel in Coco had more inner complexity than some other Disney male animated characters, but we did a major backslide with Kristoff in 2019's Frozen 2. Okay, Kristoff was still lovable enough, but he came off more of as a major doofus whose major contribution was a great voice and an 80s rock ballad song. I mean, come on, we need... We need a little bit more here with the dudes, but but they need some substance and in inner life, you know, right? So when can we have that? Why? Right, Disney, please. Anyway, just a thought. I see this. I think uh first of all, Brett, your your point is of course always valid. Um, but I do disagree with it slightly. First of all, King Kristoff is awesome. Uh so don't come at King Kristoff uh with anything. Okay. <laughs> Secondly, I would say that I think. From a studio's perspective, we are still in an area where the Disney princess means so much to little girls, and we're living in a world where the boys at this point have every Marvel movie ever made. Um, And so I do think that there's a little bit of trying to make sure that people, everybody's represented, uh, and um, that everybody gets a little piece of these films. I would also say that we own Pixar too now, um, but Onward was a story between two brothers and it was a beautiful story of two brothers. Yeah. And that literally oh, just yeah. came out last year. Um, okay. So I don't know. I would push back. No, a little I still bit have, on your assessment. no, 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 no. Well, this is an audio podcast, so no one sees, but uh, you know, the torture I'm going through. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, <laughs> like, just going, no, the whole Kristoff thing. I'm like going, that took men back, you know, forever. I'm like going, now he's just the same doofus. I don't you know, know man. I'm like I was going, so supportive of his oh, well. girlfriend. I've been she in was. that position yes, where you're I know, like, but I'm like going, oh, but now, what, what, what movie are we talking about? We should. I've been in that position that. where I'm like, man, do when do I propose? When do I propose? And then I ended up proposing way earlier than I thought I would because I was so nervous about it. So I, I was kind of like feeling the Kristoff that that movie. Okay, but, fine. But no. So let's go back to Raya thoughts, and you. the Last oh, Dragon, and Raya, I would say what we can do for our wrap-ups here as we're starting to close out the film um, is I would say, you know, we already told you and you've already followed us along this far into spoiler territory and into talking about the film, but I really enjoy this movie quite a bit. I think it propels storytelling in a way. I think it propels uh, visual effects in a major way. Um, I love the, I loved the story overall. I think it's one of those that I will revisit over and over again, um, especially when my son's ready to watch it. He was terrified of it this weekend, so we did not watch Aww. it together. Um, but that I think is because of the just epic scale of it. And there was some kind of sort of spooky imagery, especially with the drones and everything else that you had. So, uh, but it was really cool. It was such a good movie. I really, really enjoyed the film and I can't wait to see what Disney comes up with next. And I would for sure love to see uh, Namari and Raya again uh, in the future, certainly. Vanessa, your final thoughts. My final thoughts are that this is a beautiful film. It definitely has its place in the Disney film history that we have going on. Uh, It was a great relief to be able to finally watch something new and entertaining from Disney. Grant, yes, we have all those Marvel films that have been coming out and those Star Wars series on Disney Plus, but it's, it's, it feels like a a long time. It's been a year since we've had an animated film. I wish Brett and I could have gone to the movies to see because we could have shared our popcorn bowl. Our popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. And And we could cry and our whoppers, whoppers. but it was, it was such a nice gift to be able to have something new from the Walt Disney studios. So I'm very appreciative of this film and what they've done and, and how they've, pressed forward through difficulties through a pandemic that could not have been easy to when you're in such a collaborative environment to be working at home and and trying to work on a project of this scale I mean can you even imagine you're given all this money to make this film and and by the way though you won't be able to be in a room together you're gonna have to do it from your your home like I can't even imagine that kind of responsibility so hats off to them I hope everyone else enjoyed it 
we could barely get it through a podcast uh, virtually. So I can't even imagine <laughs> doing, yeah. doing a movie it's that so way. Brett, your it's final so thoughts true. The film. Um, it surprised me and in a wonderful way. And I will be watching it again because uh, I want to get my money's worth. But, but not only that, because I enjoyed it. And I, and I will watch it again, you know, to capture more ideas of, you know, kind of the, the themes of this film. And then also to capture, to remember the beauty and enjoy the beauty of this. So I love it. And yeah, so, it, yeah, I just enjoyed it very much. And I, I, again, I was just surprised. So I can't wait to, I can't just wait to see what's next. Yay. Yeah. Uh, they usually sometimes like us to do some sort of ranking in these full disclosures and it's difficult to know exactly what to rank this up against, but no. uh, let's, let's try <laughs> it a little bit. Let's no. try it. We revolve. We're going to do Disney princesses uh, of the last, uh, I don't know, let's say, let's say 12 years here and let's go. You putting this, I don't, you're, I you're don't rank. This up against, I don't rank things. You're putting this up <laughs> against Tiana. You're putting this up against Anna and Elsa and Moana and then now Raya. But they all have their place. That's right. Exactly. That is impossible. And I don't, here's the other thing too, because we've seen such um, an an effort to have everyone see themselves. I don't feel comfortable ranking people, you know, because I'm, it's not to say it's less than or more than, but that, that always isn't clear when you're ranking. So I think they all have a place and they're all equally important. And that might be just the, you know, the coward's way out. But that's, I think that's Not. the way we have to take here. Do you hear I'm this, Jeremy? Do you hear this? I tried valiantly and I had a mutiny on my hands. Uh, well, so sorry. Plus, so sorry, Brett Craig. Never it's not really, if I rated you know, a princess. <laughs> but we like just go and say, go out and see Raya. Go watch it a million times. If you're listening to this in June, go listen, go watch it again because it is uh, definitely a film that will become a Walt Disney animated classic. And we're so glad that we were able to watch it this past weekend. If you'd like to follow along with us and the show, you can, of course, subscribe to Beyond the Mouse. So you're listening to this maybe on the Front Row Network feed. We have our own Beyond the Mouse feed where we talk all things Disney and get to talk to some really cool people involved in the Disney company, including this upcoming Friday, we did have a chance to discuss Disney fine art with Dave Ambenzino, and that will be dropping in our Beyond the Mouse feed. So you can definitely check that out. Um, You can, of course, find us wherever you find podcasts there. We are also part of the Front Row Network. You can find us on social media. Just search for the Front Row Network on Facebook and on Instagram and also Front Row Reviews with a Z on Twitter. We're part of NPR Illinois Community Voices. You can find us on nprillinois.org if you look under the Community Voices tab as well. And you can find all the other shows from the network on that site. And then of course, also all those social medias that I just mentioned to you. We have some really cool stuff coming up on Beyond the Mouse. Really cool. And so I'm going to tell you, you really should follow us on social media because we have some very neat announcements. And when I say that, I'm teasing it to you, knowing that those announcements are gonna be coming within the next week. So you definitely want to check those out because we are super pumped about the uh, couple of episodes that we have coming up as we make our way to our 100th episode, which will be epic. Uh, And I will not undersell you there. It is going to be such a cool episode and we can't wait to share it with you. Any final thoughts before we go? Well, for our new listeners, look, we're not three weirdos who just talk about Mickey. I mean, we are three weirdos who talk about Mickey Mouse, but 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 there's so much more to gain from our podcast. There's some dishy stuff, behind the scenes stuff that animators and people who worked with uh, the Disney company have shared with us. We have like major life lessons and really inspirational stories. So yeah, we talk about the parks and Disney a bit, but there's some things in there that really are for anybody even if you're not the world's biggest disney fan so i hope you enjoy this that's a great way you know it's so cool listening back to some of those interviews and those discussions that we had amongst each other for sure brett any final final thoughts about the show about the network about life um in general about life um craig we never it was never our intention to mute me um because we have great respect for this network and all of its contributors. However, we do, honey, if you're going to ask us to rate Disney princesses, I'm like going, that is not the thing we do here. Mm -mm, Nope. (laughs) Anyway, 
Sorry. So you hear that, honey? Much love and Listen here, much honey. love, much love and respect to everyone here. <laughs> and um, but yeah, don't make us. We're too nice. Can't do that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> For the Front Row Network, I am Craig. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Brett. And we will see you real soon in the front row. Probably over on that Beyond the Mouse feed. Make sure to subscribe to it. Oh, do we do pants now? I'm sorry. Sorry. You go, you go tell Snow White she's number seven and see how well it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. going, Let's see I like you going do through that, some Craig. of my best friends. Don't even. I cannot do that to them.